Hi, I'm Anthony, the host of my PhD Experience Podcast, a show that brings to you interesting insights about how to navigate graduate school, bag your PhD, and secure a postdoctoral position. Thank you all for listening to the first part of my interview with Dr. Melissa Umino. In the first interview, Melissa shared her PhD experience, you know, talking about other things you need to do, including traveling, including how to secure funds, and including how to make the old PhD journey an interesting one. Now, she speaks today about her postdoctoral experience. Uh, I mean, you know, the journey is in two parts, the postgraduate school journey and the post-PhD experience, which is quite important because there are so many people that have completed a PhD and they are thinking, so how do I begin this journey? And it's always important to hear from those that have been through this uh, situation and then sharing their experience on how they navigated the situation. So, yeah, this part two is solely focusing on post-PhD experience of Dr. Melissa, and I implore you to listen. Thank you. Now, you know, let's talk about post-PhD experience. You know, uh, I do know that a lot of people are also, you know, listening to this podcast, and they are thinking, so what about us that had completed PhD? How do we navigate this process? Because, again, people tend to assume that once you have a PhD, you then know how to face the world, and it's not, you know, usually very easy. So tell me about your post-PhD experience. Uh, would you say you've met your expectations or surpassed your expectations <laughs> post-PhD? Um, Post-PhD has been quite interesting uh, for me because I just wanted to finish the PhD in the first place. I didn't even think beyond finishing. I was like, I want to finish and I just want to be doctor because I'm tired. And I remember telling myself that I did not even want to read a menu. I wanted a menu that had pictures. That's how tired of reading um, I was. But post PhD, there's so many avenues that are available and I would tell people don't do what I did. Um, uh, the first step usually are fellowship positions. So you, would, you need to start asking yourself, what, what type of career path you want to take. If you want to remain in academia, then the, the suitable thing to do is to look for uh, a postdoctoral fellowship where you continue to research under supervision, um, but you are now a little bit more, you're a bit more independent, but not too independent. Uh, fellowship is also funded, so you, you, you do get paid for, for being a fellow, depending on the kind that you're in. Um, and again, it's also similar to looking for a supervisor. You need to look for somebody or a department or an institution that aligns with what you want to do. Um, for me, I, I was meant to dive into academia, but I really, I, after doing my PhD, I wasn't feeling very well. So I had to come back home. And in coming back home, thought that I would get to recalibrate and then go back and take up 
um, fellowship, but I ended up getting into the work market because of course we need to eat, <laughs> you need to pay rent. So I ended up back um, at work. So I completely left academia and went into, into practice. And I did that for a while. Um, but the way my life is, somebody in academia heard that I was around and in practice and they said, no, you need to get back into academia. So I ended up back into academia <laughs> um, at the end of the day. So I'm now back in academia and my role is it's very interesting. I do get to research, but I get to, I get to supervise uh, research fellows. I get to run my own research project. Um, and I get to do a little bit of managerial administrate, not administrative, but yes, you could call it administrative because it's not strictly research. Let's say project management work, which is very interesting. So it's a challenging mixed bag role, which I think is something that's good for me. I don't like the, the pressure of strict academia because I think that that perpetuates the idea of it being the ivory tower where academia is completely divorced from what's happening practically on the ground, depending on the different disciplines you're in. So I'm happy that I'm in a position where I interact very much with policymakers. I interact with um, entrepreneurs, rather SMEs. So I put the research into practice. Um, and, and then I also get to mentor people in, in doing the research. So it's an all, it's a, when I first heard about the position and I spoke to um, my boss, I said, this, is, it's like a dream come true. I couldn't have created this job <laughs> in my dreams <laughs> if I wanted to, but it's very challenging. Yeah. They said the reward of work is more work. So you got to do, so there's a lot to do. But again, I want to believe that the PhD experience itself uh, did prepare you for for post-PhD experience. Would you want to comment on that? How would you say the um, PhD experience prepare you for post-PhD experience? Let me say this. Uh, the PhD experience prepared for Corona. And why am I saying that? <laughs> I'm saying it prepared me for Corona because as much as the PhD experience is lonely, having to you know, sit by yourself in your in your apartment or in your room or wherever you are sitting in there day after day and just working by yourself that prepared me from for working from home um, during corona period because it was very a very easy transition for me to continue working from home the other thing that the phd experience prepared me for the work experience is that writing um course that we did where you, you really break down how to carry out a research project or, or defining your research process. I, I do that all the time now at work and I guide people in doing that. Um, that's two. The other thing is <laughs> just focusing um, on the goal at the end of the day because it really is a journey. When they tell you that a doctorate is a journey, it really is a journey. You can sometimes want to give up. You you'll be like, um, this chapter two, chapter two is the worst chapter. Anybody who's written a doctorate knows that. <laughs> chapter two is the worst chapter to write. Yeah. It, it can take forever. <laughs> You're battling with chapter two. But 
once you get through chapter two, you sail through the rest of the other chapters. So it helped me know I have a goal in mind. Um, also the quality of writing, um, it, it's amazing. And maybe that's more reading. And yes, the PhD experience gets to read more. And when you read more, you can identify different qualities of writing. So sometimes you also have to sort of check yourself to make sure that you are not overcritical um, of people who are just starting out in the writing journey, but you definitely see different qualities of writing and it's amazing <laughs> to be able to notice the different qualities. Um, yeah, and also this is something else that I didn't think I would experience, but it brought me to realize that everything, it's all small stuff. You know, when sometimes we look at things and we think it's such a daunting task, it's all small stuff. Um, just because I have a doctorate doesn't mean that I know everything in the whole world. I started mm. a small step at a time. So um, I, I look at people who, who think that having the initial doctor before your, your names and believe that they're walking gods. And I, and I say, no, you're just a human being who knows a lot about one thing. You don't know a lot about everything. So we can learn from everybody. Um, so yeah, everything, it's, it's small stuff and small stuff we can conquer. So we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be shy of, of taking up challenges and everybody who's, who's taken up a challenge started a small step at a time. Hmm. I mean, this, this is a very important insight to say, you know, having a PhD is not the end in itself, you know, and it's just one chapter of the whole story. And it doesn't mean you know everything about everything. And so meaning there's a lot to learn. I myself could attest to that because I could say that I've, um, I've seen myself grow as well in terms of what I've learned post PhD, you know, even relative to what I learned during my PhD. So um, it's a continuous journey, it's a continuous learning process um, that you need to continue to build on. Like, just like you said, it's a baby step. You keep taking the steps and um, you see where, where it goes. So um, now in terms, of, um, in terms of getting opportunities, especially here in Africa, we need to talk about it because we know our unemployment rate <laughs> is pretty high to the roof. So, yeah. and I think it's important that we touched on this particular issue. You know, there are people that have completed a PhD and they are thinking about what opportunities they need to explore. And you have a very unique uh, perspective given that you actually stepped away from academic, academia, which is quite interesting. And, you know, a lot of people you know, out there just sitting at home, concentrating on getting an academic job, um, not um, even considering uh, jobs outside academia. So uh, how would you say your experience was working outside of academy, academia? And would you advise someone, you know, that probably stayed at home for a year to explore that? What's your general thinking around pursuing jobs in the industry? That's a good question. Um, people need to think out of the box, especially in the current times that we're in. The world has now changed, right? Um, 
think outside the box. Don't just think because I have a PhD, I have to be teaching or researching in an academic institution. You do not have to be, unless that is what you want to do. Um, there are people out here with PhDs who don't have jobs. Many, there are many, 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 many of them. Um, and it also depends on the area, the field that you studied in, okay? So I've, I've heard people, actually, I've had clients who, who asked me, why did, you, why did you do a doctorate and you start in your area? Isn't that overkill? <laughs> they said, it's overkill, you didn't have to do it. Um, and I've already explained my reasons for doing it. And that skill makes me, it gives me an added advantage for somebody who didn't have that because now I'm an efficient project manager because I, I, I proved that I can sit down and start something from scratch and have a, a product at the end of the day, right? Which can be examined within the field or, uh, or the state of the art. What I'd tell somebody who has been at home for a year or so, I'd say, remove that yoke around your neck that is, the that is PhD. To be completely honest, there are people out here who sometimes have to hide that they have a PhD in order to get a job. Um, I've, I've heard about that happening because you, they, people view you as being overqualified for particular jobs. But there are people who would also be very happy to have you if you just think outside the box. Think of the other skills that the PhD has given you, not just the academic skill, um, so that you market yourself in that way. Think of um, the other qualifications that you have outside of that PhD that you can leverage. For, for me, I already had, for example, uh, I was already admitted to the bar as an advocate of the high court, and I had already started um, my partnership. So when I came back, that was, it was very easy for me to land there so that I was a little bit privileged in that way. If I had not had that, I would probably have worked with a law firm as a consultant, not as an associate really, and not as a partner, but as a consultant where you help them in the particular area that you had specialized in. So depending on your field, look at um, the NGO world. They're looking all, of, all the time, they're looking for consultants, for people to help them, advise them in their strategies. So you'd be a technical expert. Um, you don't have to be uh, through academia advising uh, policymakers. You could be a technical expert who's advising um, policymakers in, a particular, in that particular area as an independent consultant. And independent consultants make a lot of money. <laughs> academia doesn't have money, people. <laughs> yeah. The money is outside academia. Yeah. So I think it's all about how you, you, you package yourself and how you present yourself uh, in the job market. Um, having a PhD is like being an entrepreneur. You could open up a website and advertise your, your work. You could write. You could write and receive awards from writing. You could be uh, a fellow. Uh, you, you, you don't have to be uh, affiliated to an academic in, uh, institution. You could write and explain to somebody that you want to apply for a fellowship because you, you have the skills, but you don't have the opportunity. Just think outside the box. You hmm. could start a podcast hmm. <laughs> like Tony <Yeah>. about <laughs> the things that you're in. Yeah. There's so much. You just, you just have to think outside the box. 
don't, don't just think of the traditional steps or the traditional places that you can fit in. Thinking outside the box um, really can help you. And read widely. And I'm not saying academically. I'm not saying academic things. I'm saying read widely newspapers, blogs, and see how people with PhDs are leveraging themselves. You could write a book and get an advance that could sustain you until you publish the book. There's so much you could do. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's, that's one interesting thing. You know, is everything, okay, maybe job is important. It gives you the capital to explore things. But again, I'm just thinking that if I were in that situation whereby I couldn't get a postdoc nor a job, um, the, best, the best way, just like you did mention, is to begin to think about personal development and personal development that could prospectively lend you money. So personal development could be writing a book. Of course, you are reading a lot, researching, and then writing. So you are learning so much, and then you are writing a book that will be useful, that could fetch you money. Although I don't know um, how lucrative uh, books are for, academia, for people in academia. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing. Yeah, you, it, it doesn't have to be an entire money. It doesn't, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be an academic book. That's the thing. You see, like, look at all these um, PhD holders or doctorates who write about things that are in the what do you call it, a secular market, for lack of a better word, or or politics. You know, not really politics, but but climate change. Who knew climate change would be a political issue? Somebody who has a doctorate in in uh, geography can write about climate change and how it's affecting uh, the earth, right? And that could really sell as a book that even laymen want to read, not just people within academia. Mm. Mm. So no, 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 that's really interesting. About just thinking, yeah, you need, to, you need to really just think hard and, and you have the power to, to read now. <laughs> no? mm. As a doctorate, you have the power to read and write. So you could just, a blog, first of all, everybody is moving away from the traditional jobs now. Corona has taught us that we can now all sit in our houses and work and do things online. So you could, you could start a blog, you could, um, and from the blog, you could get sponsorships, you could start a podcast and get sponsorships for that. You could be an expert to uh, your local news channel where you, you go on there and give some some uh, tips in whatever field you're in, and that's where you're building a name for yourself, which you're talking about that personal development or personal branding. But not, not just to sit there with the, with the knowledge, the information, and the skill to write, and, and think that's it. Some people jump completely out of any of these things that we're seeing. Some people become uh, real entrepreneurs in the real sense of the word. Mm. Uh, yes, it, it depends, but I'm thinking that's a very extreme situation where somebody um, didn't think through their career path. And, and I guess that's what we were alluding to earlier. You need to think through why it is you're doing the PhD and what you would do after, after it. Um, and that's very important. I really, like the people who are on Twitter, who are doctorates, they're on Twitter, they write threads about their field, the field that they're in. Next thing you hear, they have, they're, they're writing articles in the newspaper. 
Next thing you hear, they have a TV show. Next thing you hear, they're winning awards, which are in multiples of dollars. Um, I know people who consult even for academia. So you don't have to be within academia. You could consult for a research institution. What do I mean? You could write academic papers under the moniker of that research institution. So you don't have to be a lecturer or a professor there, but you are affiliated and you, get, you do get remunerated for that. So the important thing is to, uh, to think big, think broadly and not limit yourself to academia. Um, because again, um, even studies upon studies have shown that uh, the job market for academia is, um, is shrinking and um, opportunities are now few and far-fetched. So do not put all your eggs in one basket. And it's important that you basically explore your options and, um, and you can you actually make more money in the industry than than even yes. in academia, because there's not a lot of money you, in academia. Per se. You will make more money in the industry than from academia. That is a, a true fact. If you actually do it well, you will make more money. Hmm. Because out there, they value people with doctorates more than within academia. Within academia, it is a given that you should have a doctorate, right? Yeah. But outside there, it's really valued more than within academia. Hmm. And depending on which country you're in, we, we see it every day on social media. Academics in the United States are always complaining that they're not given tenure, that they're not paid enough, and they're teaching more students at less pay. And the work is, is really demanding, but they can't really afford to live a good life. But if you look at people who are in, in, in industry, they're making six figures, literally. Okay, on, on a final note, I mean, on a final note, what would be your most important advice for a PhD student? And what would be your most important advice for an early career post-PhD um, person, individual? Um, okay, I think I have, even, I'll add a third person. So I'm going to start with a person who is thinking about applying for a, for a PhD or for a doctorate, the most important thing you must do is locate a supervisor who, will, who you will click with and who, you, who will support you. The supervisor is very important. A supervisor can make you or break you as a PhD student because it's not a joke to do a doctorate. It is emotionally, physically, and mentally taxing. So you have to make sure that you align yourself with a supervisor who will, who will align with the whole of you. There are supervisors who are experts at, at graduating students, but they never, they never help grow the students within the field. So um, there are supervisors you can tell have a legacy. So you can tell this, is, this supervisor has this doctorate and this doctorate and this doctorate. It's a long line that they have and they're all connected and they all help each other. Look out for a supervisor who does that. It's so important. For somebody who's already enrolled in the program, I would say you need to make sure that you are networking as hard as you are researching your thesis. <laughs> network. Network with your fellow students. Network with professors in your department. Network with professors in your country. Network with professors who are in the field. 
get out there, be known, know people, let people know who you are, because you never know where these connections land you um, in life. So that's for the PhD, the PhD student. For the post-PhD student, um, I would hope that they had a direction in mind, but if they didn't, you are armed with something so precious, which is the ability to project manage. You managed yourself and wrote, you literally wrote a book. So now you can think completely out of the box and shift your field and shift yourself. So be open, just be open to any opportunities that come to you. So those are the three things that I would say. I mean, those are important advice. You know, let me just recap. It's important that you um, get a good supervisor and the word good supervisor is used loosely. It simply means someone that is interested in you as a person beyond the research work, someone that would groom you and grow you. Um, for, for PhD students, it's important that you network. You know, while it's important that you focus on your research, it's also important that you build a network that you can work with even subsequently, as well as, uh, you know, you mentioned travel. I think that travel is also, you know, part of networking is also part of traveling as well. So you need to travel to, to also be able to network. And, um, and for shy people like me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not shy, Tony, at <laughs> all. <laughs> it means you need to... <laughs> You need to make deliberate efforts and be intentional in terms of uh, approaching people and getting to know people and getting interested in people's work and being able to to uh, get, build that connection and, and, and that network and belonging to that network. And again, we can we can have a podcast entirely on uh, on the importance of networking and some of the tips you need to follow to network. Maybe those are some of the things we will discuss in the future. And for you, you post-PhD uh, individuals out there, it's also important that you um, believe in yourself because now you've literally written a book, like Melissa has said, and you practically manage yourself through a long period of time, a long journey, and you manage to you know, get a project started, fully executed and completed. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a huge experience. So, and that should, that should probably be the starting point for you going forward in terms of, you know, venturing into something new, even while looking for opportunities. It's good to pursue those opportunities, but then if it's not coming and it's taking time, you can begin to plan other projects that, are you, that, that, that will keep you busy. And these are projects that will also increase, you know, visibility online and, um, and to, to, to potential employer in the future. Anyway, that's our forecast for today. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for sharing your experience, your wealth of knowledge. I truly appreciate your coming. Thank you for inviting me uh, to your podcast. I really had a lot of fun. And uh, I just wanted to let your listeners know that I've, I've known Tony for a long time. We struggled with Tony <laughs> while we were doctoral students. I remember when we were, were driving in the middle of Eastern Cape to go and uh, measure our graduation. Girl, yeah. <laughs> our graduation gowns. <laughs> and Tony had to 
submit my my papers because I I had to go to Canada for a conference just before graduation. So I had to go yeah. travel to Kenya to get my visa. So while I was doing that, Tony was helping me to submit my my thesis. So this is what we mean when we talk about networking. You meet people, and years after you've you're still in contact. So thanks for for not being that shy guy, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was quite interesting. I think we met at the at the um, writing writing workshop by Eric. I think yes. it was Eric or something, you know. Yes, it was uh, Eric. Yes, yeah, it from Eric, he yeah. was from the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, and since then we just we just you know ride on with it <laughs> and, <laughs> and support each other through the journey of the PhD. And we are still supporting each other even post PhD. You know probably highlights or the, the importance of networking and, 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 and having friends and, you know, during the program and even Yes. Mm. Yeah. Because the friends help, they really give you inspiration to finish. Um, so it's, it's difficult when you're doing it alone. So you do need friends to help you finish. And there's so much you could talk about. I'm, I'm so glad you're starting this podcast because you also need to speak to people who had families when they were pursuing their doctorate mm-hmm. and how did they balance those things? Because I don't know how people balanced <laughs> being mm-hmm. mothers, being fathers, being husbands and wives to people when they're doing the, they're pursuing the PhD. So I hope that that will be your next episode. Um, definitely. I will, I will, I will bring people uh, with uh, such experience to the, to the podcast. Um, I can think about, uh, people that I know now that I can reach out to, uh, but definitely it's going to be packed. It's going to be lots of people that will share different kinds of experience over, over the um, um, coming episodes. Um, and we'll see, we'll see. But definitely people with families will definitely feature on this um, podcast in the coming days. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. I mean, this is a good one. I hope you will come back and uh, we'll talk about other topics in details. And this is more like a general overview of your experience during your PhD. And I know that we can talk in depth about specific topics, you know, uh, and be able to have um, dedicated even an hour to, to speak on, on, on a particular topic of interest. I hope you will come back. Yes, I'll be happy to come back anytime. I'm, I'm ready to come back. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. I appreciate it.